Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Bin. Uh, I was here 11 years ago, 11 years ago serving with the amazing team at FCC uh, under Pastor Benny's uh, leadership, and I was there for around 10 months, and then Pastor Benny released me to plant Sun Life Church, and do you know, next month, Sun Life Church, she turns 10 years. Yes, yes, yes. And by the grace of God, she's still around, and by the grace of God, she's still growing, and it all started right here in this amazing church here. So me coming back here preaching is like the, uh, the lost Vietnamese Australian son returning home. So it's, it's good to see all those familiar faces and those new faces. I'm so excited to see this church here doing a great work in this part of the city. Um, and I, I'm excited that I get to open up God's word with you because I really believe that this is a word in season and I really believe that God will speak to you through me as we study His Word here. Um, just recently, I was invited to attend a conference in Brisbane, uh, actually the Gold Coast, all paid for, and I was so excited. This was in uh, April this year, towards the end of April, and I was like, yes, I'm gonna be on a plane. It's been 15 months, and we had this snap lockdown, remember? Two days before I was about to fly to the Gold Coast, there's a snap lockdown, and I find myself waiting, waiting for the premier, just waiting if this snap lockdown would finish, waiting to see if I would hop on a plane, waiting if we would get back to normality. Now, have you ever waited before? Have you ever been in a period where you're waiting? Maybe you're waiting outside that famous chicken rice joint, you're just waiting to get there. You're waiting for your exam results to come in. Or maybe this morning, this morning, you're waiting for your kids to get ready to come to church, right? And during that period of waiting, what do you find yourself doing? What did you do? You see, this morning's passage in Philippians chapter four, verses one to nine, the apostle Paul, he gives the Christians in Philippi some practical tips as they wait for heaven. And I wonder if we often think that our time here is actually a period of waiting for heaven. Or we rarely think of it. And we put it in the back burner of life and every now and then we just remind ourselves, yes, we're waiting for heaven. Because let me say this to you, when you enjoy the presence of Jesus forevermore, when you enter into heaven, all those bad seasons of life seems just like one bad night at a very cheap hotel. Because the presence of God forevermore is where we are called to be. And this life here is just a moment of waiting. And how are we to wait as our Lord returns or He takes us home? And so what the Apostle Paul does in Philippians chapter four is he gives the Christians there some principles which I wanna unpack with you so that you and I can wait the right way as we wait for home, heaven. So you have your Bible, you can turn with me now to Philippians chapter three, verse 20. Just a few verses before this morning's passage, he says this, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He reminds the Christians there that your citizenship is in heaven as you wait. So this morning here, as we look into chapter four, let me give you three principles how we should wait effectively in the now as we wait for the not yet. Number one, we are to live 
in unity. Number two, we are to live joyfully. And number three, we are to live actively. So I'm gonna pray and we'll dive into God's word. Can we do that? Let's just pray right now. And Father God, I pray now that you would help me to expound your word with clarity. And I do pray that as we study your word, you will speak to us through your spirit. And that we'll leave this place knowing how we should wait as we wait for heaven. So would you give me your uh, power and your wisdom right now. May I preach with clarity, with accuracy, as we dive into your word. Will you open our eyes and our ears to receive your word right now. In your son's name I pray, amen. Are you ready? If you have your Bible, please turn with me to Philippians chapter four, verses one to nine. If you don't have your Bible, I'm very sure the passage of study will be on the screen behind me. Live in unity. Look in verse two. He says, I plead with Edodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. You see, Paul jumps into a problem. There's a problem right here. And he says to the church leaders, I need you to help these two ladies. There's an issue in the church. What we know about these two ladies, they're actually godly ladies. Because the Bible says that they've contended with Paul for the cause of the gospel. They're mature Christians, but there's something inside the church. There was a tension, and Paul would gather some of the leaders. He mentions Clement, most likely an elder. Hey, Clement, I need you to help these two sisters. There's a conflict. There is an issue in the church. Let's be honest. Even good, godly Christians, we have bad days, and there are days where things don't go right. Who's, who's married here? Hands up if you're married and you're proud of it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Now be careful with this next question. <laughs> Fellas, gentlemen, is your wife exactly like you? Is she a mirror image of you? Don't answer too, too boldly, because you may get in trouble here. <laughs> Ladies, is your husband exactly like you? No. You see, my wife and I were very different. You know, I, I love to eat food in bed. You know, if there's a nice Vietnamese noodle soup, I'll be slurping away in bed. And my wife, Tran, she cannot stand that. My wife, she likes to put dirty laundry in the laundry basket. I like to put it on the bathroom floor. Don't laugh, because you get out of the shower, it absorbs all the water, right? We're very different, but that does not say there's no love and unity in our marriage. And what about this church? Come on, you're very different, every single one of us. And that means there'll be moments where there's disunity. And there's a saying, you know, if you find the perfect church, if you find the perfect church, please don't go there because it won't be perfect anymore, <laughs> you know? Ephesians 4, 3, the same writer, the Apostle Paul, he says this to the Christians in Ephesus. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. He says, keep unity. But if you know Ephesians chapter four, you know that in that same chapter, Paul says that God would graciously give different gifts to the church which means in the church, we're all different. 
We may even have different theology, different way of doing ministry. This is a very diverse group of people, which means there'll be moments where there'll be disunity, and what are we to do about that? And so we learn one thing, that unity does not mean conformity. We do not have to be the same to be unified. We can still disagree and be on the same mission and vision of the church. We can still disagree and still have love. We can still disagree and still pursue unity. Did you know that? And we need to understand that. And here's the key, and this is the key, that before we even address the areas of differences, ask ourselves the question, have we thickened the cushion of love that will absorb the impact that might result in disunity? Think about that. Before you wanna even address a difference, ask yourself the question, have you thickened the cushion of love to absorb any impact that conversation would take place? And I see that in poor. Go with me to verse one of chapter four. Look what he says. And therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and I long for, you're my joy, my crown. I stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. What do we see? Can you see his affection for God's people? He says, I love you. I long for you. You're my beloved. You're my crown, which means you're my reward. You're my joy. I long for you. And then he begins to address the tension of the two ladies. We learn something there is that if we want to see unity in a diverse community, we have to have these conversation, but before we even have this conversation, we need to ask ourselves the question, have we thickened that cushion of love so that the conversation that needs to be had will be absorbed with any potential conflict? And that's what we see right here. Like if I know that you love me, if I know that you want the best for me, if I know that you really care for me and what you say may not be the things I want to hear, I can still accept those things and see it from your viewpoint. And that's the same principle that we can apply at home, in the workforce, at church. That if everyone in this church here knows that we are together and we're here for one another, that we genuinely love each other, and we thicken that cushion of love, then we can have those conversation and pursue unity. Whilst we wait, we need to be a unified group of people. We need to learn to forgive. We need to forget. We need to thicken that cushion of love so that unity takes place in this church and beyond. And maybe this morning God is using me to remind some of you that this is a word for you that there's a conversation that you must have with someone, whether it's at home, whether it's here, whether it's in the workforce. But before you even have that conversation, ask yourself this question, have I thickened that cushion of love? Do I really love that individual? And if you have, go ahead and have that conversation. And that's how you and I can live in unity whilst we wait for heaven, amen? That's the first thing there. The second thing is very hard. We're to live joyfully. Look in verse four. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. This is a command. 
It's an imperative. It's not optional. And it's very challenging because it's easy to rejoice in the Lord when things are going well, amen? Like, come on, there's a blessing. I praise the Lord, I can rejoice in the Lord. I just receive a promotion. Praise the Lord, rejoice the Lord. I followed her on Instagram and she followed back. Praise the Lord, I can now stalk her, you know? But he throws the word always. And that's a spanner in the woodworks. That's very hard. Because seriously, how can you praise in the Lord when things are bad? How can I rejoice when I don't have a job? How can I rejoice when my, my child is sick? How can I rejoice when I just found out that I have this terminal illness? It's very, very hard. But you look at the text, you notice what Paul says. He does not say rejoice in changing circumstances, but rejoice in the one who does not change. Rejoice in the Lord, not in your situation. Rejoice in the one who does not change, the one who remains the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Rejoice in Him. You see, for the Philippians, they, they got this. And what we may not know is that the Philippians, they were a struggling church. In fact, at this point in time, things were not too good in the church. Remember, if you know the book of Philippians, in chapter two, they send Epaphroditus, one of their very own, because they were worried of Paul. They missed their founding pastor. They heard that Paul was in prison, so they were very worried. So they send Epaphroditus to look for Paul, right? They longed to see their founding church pastor. We also know in chapter one, there were people preaching the gospel with rivalry and envy. And Paul would say they're enemies of the cross. So there were people in the church spreading all these rumors and gossip. It wasn't a good place. And we also know in chapter four, there were these two godly ladies having an issue. Circumstances wasn't good. A lot of uncertainties. But Paul says rejoice in the Lord. Listen carefully. The theology of joy and suffering is this, is that we do not rejoice in our suffering but we rejoice in the one who understands us in our suffering, and that's Jesus. Because when you suffer and when times are tough, it's okay to mourn. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to question God. It's even okay to be angry. You don't rejoice in your suffering. You rejoice in the one who understands you in your suffering, the one who doesn't change. The one who's the same, that one is God himself. And so we need to understand that. We can look at God. We can think of God in those times. Maybe this morning right now, you're in a season where it's so tough, and you're going, well, Pastor Ben, I, I just can't find joy. Well, because you're probably looking at your situation. Look at God himself. Realize what he's done for you. This amazing God who, who in his grace gave up his son for you and I. Rejoice in his grace. Rejoice that he would send his son to die for us so that because of the death of the son, we get to reconcile with the father. Rejoice in that. Rejoice in his unconditional love. That his love for you and I does not cease. It stays the same. Even in our bad days, he still loves us. His love for us does not change. If you are bad, he still loves you the same. 
If you're good, He still loves you the same. Rejoice in His unconditional love. Rejoice in that. Rejoice in His mercy that we are alive today. That in His mercy, we get to sleep through the night and wake up this morning. I just recently found out someone that I know passed away in his sleep. But we're alive this morning. And that's the kindness and that's the mercy of God. That's the goodness of God. Rejoice in that. We can look at God and still rejoice in the Lord because He does not change. So as we wait for Him, I'll live joyfully. You see, the Apostle Paul, he understood this. Because if you remember in the book of Acts, he was in prison with Silas, in prison in Philippi, the same place that he's writing to the church there. If you have your Bible, go with me to Acts chapter 16, verse 22 onwards. The crowd joined in attacking them. This is Paul and Silas. The magistrate tore the garments off them and gave order to beat them with rods. And when they had finished, inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, they put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, think about this. Poor Silas preaching the gospel, beaten, locked up. I mean, how could you rejoice then? Look in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. You see, there's joy, singing, praising, praying to God whilst in prison because they choose to find their joy in God and not situation. And for some of you, maybe God is using me to remind you, this is a season, get that worship song out and just play it and just sing. This is a time where you should just sing to God Worship God. Maybe it's time to get the Bible out and start reading the Word of God. And as we begin to sing to Him and read His Word and pray to Him, I really believe that He will re-navigate your heart away from your situation and back to Him, and then you will find joy in Him. Maybe this is what God is needing of you in this season. And I really believe this is for someone here this morning that you are struggling Maybe it's time to start worshiping Jesus again. Put on that song that you used to sing. Sing out loud. Maybe it's time to open up the Bible and start reading His Word again. Fall in love with Him again. And as you do that, may He re-navigate your heart back to Him and find joy in Him. And I really believe that when you find joy in God and not in your situation, your life changes. You're less angry, there's less anxiety, you're more thankful, you're praying more, you're forgiving more. And that's what we see in verses five to seven. Look what Paul says, he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Joyful people are gentle people, amen? A joyful people are less worried. A joyful people are more thankful. A joyful people are praying people. A joyful people are praising people. A joyful people are people at peace, you see? 
And when you are joyful as you wait for the Lord, listen carefully, FCC, you're very attractive people. Because who wants to place their trust in a grumpy Christian? Who wants to place their trust in a Christian who's always digging their heels? I'm very sure there are people watching you from afar. And as you are joyful in the way you handle situations in life, you become very, very attractive. A few months ago, my little daughter, I have a, a, a five-year-old daughter, and she started throwing a tantrum. I don't know why. She's a girl, it's okay. <laughs> and she's my youngest. So I quickly grabbed my phone and I started taking photos of her, crying. And she stopped. She stopped. And she said, Daddy, why are you taking a photo of me? I don't look pretty when I'm crying. <laughs> exactly. You know, when you are grumpy and when you're just enduring Christianity, when you go into the office and you're all like, I had a big week and I had to serve on Sunday twice or whatever it is, right? You're not attractive. But when you're joyful and you find joy in the Lord, as you wait for heaven, there's joy. You're attractive. And there's a saying that you can attract more bees with honey than with vinegar. As you and I wait for heaven, may the sweetness of our joy for the Lord attract those back to him. That's what you have to do. As you wait, are you waiting with joy? Is there joy in your life? Is there joy coming here every Sunday? Is there joy Monday to Saturday? Learn to find your joy in the Lord. Not in changing circumstances, but in the one who does not change, amen? Lastly, live actively. Look in verse eight. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now in the NIV, we see the word think. It's the Greek word logizomai, where we get the word logic, logic. And a better translation would probably be the word ponder or, or dwell or, or, or meditate. And so what Paul is saying is that I want you to think these things with logic. I want you to uh, read and, 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 and meditate and, and ponder and dwell in these wonderful things, right? See, if we think good, we do good. If we think bad, we would do bad. What we think drives what we do. Our actions are driven by our thoughts. And it's very, very important that whatever comes in here, here will come out. If you love watching Korean drama movies, you're always sad. You're always crying. Isn't it true? If you love reading romantic novels, you'll be disappointed with your husband because you realize he's not that romantic <laughs> compared to the character in the novel. Is it so true? You get my point, right? Whatever goes in here, whatever goes in here will come out. And Jesus once said this in Mark 7, he says this, what comes out of the person is what defiles them for it is from within, inside here, out of the person's heart that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, 
murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evil come from inside that defiles a person. Therefore, whatever goes inside, very crucial. And Paul says, I want you to think, meditate, ponder on things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are excellent, things that are you know, right and noble, and I want you to think of those things. But he doesn't just say think, because look in verse nine. He says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, he says, put it in practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Live it out, be active. As a Christian, as we wait for heaven, we are to actively live out all the things that come in here. We are to live it out. As we read scripture, may it draw our affection towards Jesus and we become like Jesus and we live it out. That's the end goal of scripture. When you read your Bible, the end goal is that you become more like Jesus. There's an affection towards Christ and you live that out. Don't just read and keep it in here. What's the point? Paul says, whatever you've heard, whatever you've seen from me, put it into practice. Live it out. So as we wait for heaven, FCC, and what you're getting on a Sunday, what you're getting in your connect group, are you living it out? Or it's just staying in here? Are you putting it to practice? Are you actively being a Christian? James says this in James 1:22, but be doers of the word and not just only what hearers, hearers. You know, one of, my, one of my passion as a preacher, I think all preachers, I think this is our passion, is to expound the word of God, to let God's people hear it, think about it, wrestle with it, meditate on it, and our desire is that you would live that out that as you wait for heaven, you are actively living it out. Now don't let the insignificant things of life rob the major things of life. The major things of life is reading his word, falling in love with him, having your affection towards Christ, and then living it out. That's the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. There are so many lies out there, so many lies. They even want to say, you know, it's, it's important to get that investment portfolio good. That's a lie. It's more important to, to get that good paying job. That's a lie. It's more important to find your soulmate. That's a lie. It's more important to build that dream home. That's a lie. The main thing is to love God through His Word. Read, think, ponder, meditate, dwell, and then live it out. Live actively until the day he returns or the day he takes you home. The main thing is God and his word. He didn't leave us this for, for no reason. He didn't leave this for us to open up once a week on a Sunday. I don't know where you are at, FCC. I don't know whether the only time you open God's Word or the only time you think of God's Word is on the Sunday when the preacher opens up God's Word. I don't know. I know if this morning God is saying, it's time to fall in love with His Word again. The main thing 
be the main thing, is to love Him through Scripture. Maybe this is the time where you should start reading His Word daily. Think, ponder, dwell, meditate, live actively. Let me finish off this story here. There was an old lady, she lost her husband. She was very lonely, so she wanted to buy a pet to keep her, I guess, some company, right? She goes to the pet store and she says to the pet owner, I need a pet that will just keep me occupied. And the owner says, I know the right pet. There's a parrot in the corner. This parrot loves to talk all the time. Buy that parrot and that parrot will keep talking to you. All right, she said, she bought the parrot. The next day she returned to the shop and said, the parrot didn't say a word. Well, the owner was quite perplexed. She said, okay, how about this? You buy a little ladder. You put the ladder inside the cage and let the parrot run up and down, up and down the ladder. And then the parrot will get excited and the parrot will then talk. The next day she came back and she said, the parrot didn't say a word, nothing. The owner was like, what's going on? He said, I know what, buy a little swing. Put the swing at the very top of the ladder. The parrot will go up and down, up and down the ladder, swing a few times, get excited and it will talk. She returns the following day and says, look, the parrot didn't say a word. The owner's like, I have no idea. We'll try one last thing, buy a mirror. Yeah, put the mirror next to the swing. So as the parrot goes up and down, up and down the ladder, swing a few times, look at itself in the mirror, be shocked, and the parrot will start to talk. She comes back the following day and says, the parrot you sold me, it's dead. <laughs> and the pet owner said, did the parrot say anything over that time before it died? And she said, yes, the parrot said one sentence. What did the parrot say? The owner said, uh, said does that pet shop do not sell food? <laughs> you see, there's gonna be a lot of things you read, a lot of things you watch, and a lot of things you listen to, but keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is God's Word. Just because you're watching something online, on YouTube, or you're hearing someone preach, ask yourself the question, is this the main thing? Because life is so confusing. There's so much information going around. Keep the main thing the main thing. It's to love Him through His Word. As you read His Word, may He draws your affection towards His Son. And may you live it out. That's what you and I ought to do as we wait for heaven. To live in unity, to live joyfully, and to live actively. And I really hope that God spoke to some of us this morning here. Amen. Maybe this is a time where we're gonna begin to pray to God and, and, and let's, let's respond with all eyes closed, with all eyes closed. I don't know whether um, God is speaking to some of you this morning. Maybe this is, a, is one of those moments where you are gonna make a commitment with God that yes, God, I'm gonna sort out the differences that's taking place at home. Maybe there's some issues, some conflicts in the church that you need to address. Maybe God is speaking to you right now. If that is you, 
if right now there is a person that you feel I need to forgive that person, we need to sort out differences. We need to work on unity. I'm gonna ask you to do something very bold. I'm gonna ask you to, to stand up because I wanna pray for you. I wanna see who I'm praying for. If that is you this morning, you stand up right now. You're saying, yeah, pastor, pray for me. I need to sort out some issues right now. Give me confidence to have that conversation. Give me grace to speak to that person. If that is you, you stand up right now because I wanna pray for you. Thank you. This is between you and God. I really believe that God has sent me here to speak a word for you. And if that's you, you stand up right now because I wanna pray. I see you, you stand. The second group of people, there's no joy in your walk. You can't remember the last time you laughed and, and rejoiced in the Lord. You can't see there's any joy. But this morning, God has reminded you through me that joy is not in your situation or changing circumstances. And joy is in the Lord Himself. You need prayer. You need someone to pray for you and pray with you so that your, your attention now is fixed upon God and not your situation. If that's you, you stand. Thank you. You stand right now because I want to pray for you. Thank you. You keep standing. You stand and you say, look, pastor, pray for me. I can't see joy. I can't find joy. The third group, you can't remember the last time you opened God's Word because you're not actively living out the Word of God. In fact, you feel quite embarrassed because the only time you open up Scripture is on Sunday. But this is the day where you say, I'm going to be in His Word. I'm going to live out His Word. If that's you, you stand. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. I'm going to pray with you. You stand. That's good. Anyone else? I really believe that this is a defining moment. That for some of you, God is going to do something very wonderful right now. In this place, at this time right now. When we're willing to be bold before God and His people, the miraculous happens. And I believe that takes place. I'm not quite sure what's gonna happen next here, but we're gonna, we're gonna worship. And as we worship, I really believe the power of prayer. That if you stood up and you want to receive prayer, as we worship this song here, I'm gonna invite you to come forward. And I know that there are people here with a gift in prayer. And I want them to lay hands and pray with you and pray for you because I really believe that something will take place right now, right now. So we're gonna worship and when you're ready, you come forward and we want to pray with you. We wanna stand with you because we believe that God is gonna do the miracle in your situation, amen? So let's do that right now. Church, why don't you also be standing as we worship God in this closing song?